Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? It's me, Egbert, E-G-G-B-U-R-T, the owner of this radio station. I invite everyone to listen, no matter if you're young, old, black, white, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, heck, I even want real estate agents listening to my station. Yes, even Rick and Tracy. You're all welcome. Now, it's back to my Goodwill Ambassadors, Brad and John. Wow. Did you hear that, John? I did. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a remarkable new tone from Egbert. And all the comments that you have made about being more inclusive. They landed, Brad. He's turned over a new leaf. He He's welcomed everybody, including Rick and Tracy. I mean, holy cow. I mean, what's a person to do? And not only that, I mean, you know, black, white. He, he missed some, though. He missed, like, uh, Latinx and... <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and Zay Zims. <laughs> right. <laughs> Zay and Zims and non-binaries. Did you hear this, this controversy? What was it, the State Department where the memo went out that gave all the pronouns? and stuff like that and one of the press conferences one of the reporters asked about this and and they said that was not necessarily it was just advisory in nature it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't uh the rules you know mandated yeah right wasn't mandated maybe it was just best practices right exactly so you know that corporate speak mandated best best practices best practices stuff like that and the interesting thing was the spokesperson i can't remember who this was and he goes on to say well you know everybody wants to be called you know wants to be comfortable with what they're called okay like if i work for the state department and i said and i said refer to me as like for example let's take a, a a page out of the radio business I'm don't refer to me as Brad or he or him. Refer to me as Charlemagne the God. And, yes, and, exactly. And every time, you know, in a meeting, you know, like, okay, Charlemagne the God, how are things going in your department? You know, I mean? and then if they did not refer to you that way, Brad, that would be a micro. Oh my God, I would be most upset. I would just, I would just, oh, I can't, I can't believe you didn't call me Charlemagne the God. See, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten pushback. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, he's a black dude, very talented guy, works at the station in New York City. It's probably came to prominence. Uh, obviously, he's very popular in the in the black uh, population because he's had the syndicated show quite some time. He's big in New York City. And he came to prominence, I guess it's coming up on four years ago during the 2020 election when uh, he had a guest. Uh, at that time, it was Joe Biden who was running for the presidential uh, primary, I believe it was. And Joe Biden made the comment, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So, That's exactly right. <laughs> which, which some people went, Huh? In other words, the idea being is that if you are black, you automatically have to vote for the Democrats. You don't have a choice. And and the idea that Joe Biden would be in a position to assess blackness. Well, but and and even Charlemagne the God pushed back on that and go, I can't believe he said that. Yeah, he did. He he was great at that. Yeah. And, you know, there's been some good coverage of the relationship. I mean, folks. Uh, apparently close to Kamala Harris have also tried to rebuild the relationship with Charlemagne the God. Yeah, he's not happy and, with um, her. Yeah, I, I just have a lot of respect for him. I like, his, I like his interviews. You know, 10 years ago when he was doing interviews, they were completely silly and they were really over the top. And uh, he's gotten a little bit more serious. I hope he doesn't go the stern route 
where he goes from being entertaining to serious to some kind of recluse who takes himself way too seriously. Right, like the way Stern is now, which I kid about the fact that Stern has become the man that he always fought against. Stern, Don, was, He has become Don Imus. Right. Stern, has, <laughs> Stern was always the guy that was complaining that the, the, the people who controlled the, in, in this case, the, in, in his first, uh, I guess you'd call it incarnation, his first incarnation, that the people who controlled the radio business had it in for him, and they just wouldn't let him be himself. And if they would just let him be himself, that he would become this huge star, which ironically he did. He when he, he really became himself, he became a huge star. It's, in other words, he was fighting the man, and then now the problem is he is the man. You know, <laughs> to that's the point exactly where what's he's happened. He's the yeah. guy. That, and, and isn't that the story of so many people that are anti-establishment? Once they get a little bit of money and a little bit of success, and people start applauding them by the mainstream, suddenly they become the establishment. Okay, I'm old enough to know that a lot of these hippies back in the 60s and 70s who were against, uh, you know, the man, so to speak, and against the government and against structure and things like that are now running the government. And, you know, matter of fact, That's like, exactly <laughs> right. And, and not, to, not to belabor this, Brad, but look at there was a young man at Jefferson Bank who was involved in a race protest named Bill Clay who became the Democratic establishment within roughly a decade here in St. Louis. Right. And, and then he gave the, the seat to his son, and then his son was beat by Cory Bush. And a lot of people don't know that history, that, which is good that you bring that up, that he essentially was a bank employee, and, and that is a very prominent case in Missouri history as far as, actually in St. Louis history as far as race relations, uh, the Jefferson Bank case, and exactly what happened. He w became a very high-profile person, ran for U.S. Uh, US rep. He was rep for, what, 30 years, wasn't he, something like that? He was first elected in 68, and then Lacey took over that seat in 2000. So I'm bad at math, but 32 years. 32, man, I was close. I was close. Okay. Very close. Every morning we start off the show with John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. He puts together this website, johncombest.com, and it lists all the top stories in the state of Missouri. And he usually has, on an average day, what, 20, 30 different stories? I think I probably got, uh, yeah, probably two dozen up today. It depends on the day. Middle of the week might be two or three dozen, yeah. So we start out the morning by bringing a very special announcer, and John counts down the top three. Mr. Kasem, come into the studio, please. Now on with the countdown. We're on our way to the number one in third place. A follow-up to a story that we covered yesterday. A filibuster has ended in the Missouri Senate. yes. That super dirty word, depending on what, what side you are, the dirty word of compromise was achieved yesterday in the Missouri Senate after Democrats filibustered for about mm, – media reports say about three days. I think that's generous, but it was – it did span quite a period of time for the filibuster. Here's the headline from the Kansas City Star. Missouri Senate advances GOP plan to weaken democracy – after removing ballot candy. So in other words, a group of Republicans voted with a group of Democrats to advance an initiative petition proposal that would go on the ballot this year that would let Missourians vote on whether or not the amendment process should be changed. So in other words, Brad, we did break the gridlock yesterday. Republicans and Democrats broke the gridlock yesterday. Interesting. Um, and that was because of uh, th th that that bill is not now moved forward into for over to the House. Is that where the way the direction yeah, goes? Yeah. So so 
we'll see what the House passes. Now, the House passed a version of it yesterday. Caleb Rowden, who's the leader of Republicans in the – he's the leader of the Senate and leader of Republicans in the Senate. His takeaway from this was essentially near verbatim here. He said, we'll see what the House comes back with. So – both chambers will propose their own initiative, petition, legislation, and then both both chambers will get a, a, a crack at voting on it again. I thought a really interesting piece of feedback from the Missouri Freedom Caucus, they tweeted yesterday about 24 hours ago. They said, look, Democrats are, are, are filibustering this legislation for the third week. When we filibustered, being the Freedom Caucus, when we filibustered, Caleb Rowden took our chairmanships, committees, parking spots, and cut our budgets. What's Caleb Browden going to do to punish the Democrats for filibustering? I thought it was a clever point from the Freedom Caucus. And Congress. the answer to that is nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely nothing. So we'll see. But but the, the, the main takeaway here, the TLDR version, is that the filibuster has ended, and we'll see where it goes from here. Okay. Up a notch to number two. Border battles continue. A couple pieces of information here. The first one is that Governor Mike Parson has announced that he's sending 200 National Guard members to the Texas border to help in Operation Lone Star, also sending 22 members of the state highway patrol. The other, the other piece of this is that Senator Eric Schmidt was on Fox Business talking with Mornings with Maria, with Maria uh, Bartiromo, and talking once again about Biden and the border war pushing back on some Chuck Schumer comments. I don't know if you saw this, Brad, but Chuck Schumer said that, that Ted Cruz, of all people, opposes uh, any improvement to the Texas border. So it's gotten to a point of hilarity here about the border. So uh, uniquely, what, what I thought a unique piece, and this is also from the Kansas City Star, they quoted State Representative Ashley Awney, who represents the Kansas City area, and she says that when Governor Parson talks about fentanyl coming through, she said he is, quote, scapegoating immigrants, unquote, about the fentanyl crisis. Now, Ashley Ani identifies as part Hispanic, so she is uniquely positioned to criticize um, scapegoating Latinx folks, I guess you could say. But once again, of course, race and victimhood will come into any discussion about crime. And that's where we are today. Well, here, let, let me take this for a minute. She's saying that when you put the fentanyl and the immigrants together, she's essentially saying that the immigrants are being accused of bringing in the fentanyl. Is that what she's sort of yeah, saying? Yeah, she's saying that it's scapegoating. Now, to her credit, she points to, you know, the Libertarian Cato Institute did a looked at some sentencing data where they showed that a majority of fentanyl traffickers were actually U.S. citizens. Governor Parsons pushed back to that is he says it doesn't matter who the smuggler is. You know, the, the cartels are allowing this stuff to come through anyway. So Governor Parson is saying, pardon the expression, but Parson is saying that Ani is parsing the data here and that Mexico certainly and Mexican cartels certainly play a role in, in fentanyl uh, smuggling into the U.S. Interesting. OK. And here they are, the number one. And the number one story from John. Less than a week later. We have some answers in the KC shooting, and by answers I mean we have some suspects in the shooting. Two adult males were identified yesterday as shooters in the Kansas City Chiefs parade shooting that took place last Wednesday, Valentine's Day, after the celebratory event. And there are also, of course, two minors who under Missouri law cannot be named at this point. It's, un it's unclear if those minors will also be charged as adults. 
Well, now, okay, this story broke yesterday, and I have to be honest with you. I sort of scratched my head on this one because of the fact that I think they said both of these dudes they charged were still in a hospital. Isn't that the case? Yeah, well, one of them was one of them was released and then released into police custody. So released from the hospital and taken into police custody. And one, I believe, is still in the hospital. So these these guys, these guys, these two gentlemen, loosely, uh, <laughs> were accused of shooting at each other is that what the case is and they in other words one hit the other one and the other one hit the other one is that the, the, the kind the, of yeah the, apparently according to news reports that the groups it identified uh the the source of the conflict was groups didn't like the way that they looked at each other <laughs> now and by the way this is a good time for for me to point out that i was incorrect about this in that i immediately assumed that the suspects would be asian females when this happened, I thought, here we go again, another blow to the Asian community. You can't have anything nice without Asian females coming in and ruining a, a celebration. So I would like to apologize to the Asian female community. These suspects do happen to be black men, so I was wrong about that. John, I can't believe you, you had that you know, in your mind because of the fact that we all know that, like, for example, I mean, I, I don't want to, uh, I shouldn't admit to this, but a couple weeks ago, I went to a, a drive-thru, and I was in the drive-thru, and about 20 Asian females swarmed in my car and beat the living daylights out of me. That and happens all the time, Brad. <laughs> yes. And we need, to, we need to stop Asian hate, and we can start with you and I. Yes. So, again, apologies to the Asian female community. And you know what? I had also, just to be more clear, I had also said that it would be an Asian female with a pristine and clean criminal record. And it turns out that one of the shooters was a black guy that had a previous criminal record. What? So it goes to show what I know about stereotypes. What? They, they had criminal records? Now, is this- Yeah, is this, imagine that, Brad. Is this one of the two guys? So now, now, let me go back a minute. Are they saying that the two juveniles weren't the shooters? Are they saying, are, are we talking about multiple shooters now, not yeah, just we two? Have, as I understand it, we have multiple shooters and that we'll get more information about, about you know, what the juveniles will be charged with once it's determined if they'll be charged as adults. You see what I mean? So here's the line from the Kansas City Star. Depending on the seriousness of criminal charges, juvenile defendants may face a mandatory certification hearing to determine when they are tried as a, whether they are tried as adults. And in the state so it would the mandatory certification would include first degree assault and murder. Now, in the state of Missouri, that is a very difficult process. I think it takes from start to finish typically a couple months uh, to. Uh, yeah, have, it's a long time, right? Have, yeah, have a juvenile certified as an adult. Uh, so, so now there. So let me just try to get this straight. They're saying now there is at least four shooters. Is what they're saying now. There, yeah, I, there, I believe there's at least four people that are that are uh, suspects in, in actually shooting. Yeah. Now, it turns out that the young woman who was killed, the woman who was a radio DJ who was killed, this gentleman, the shooter was, I believe it came from Dominic Miller, was the guy who forensic tests showed that he was the one who who actually shot Lisa Lopez Galvin. Ah, oh, man, I'll tell you what. I mean— you know, and yet this goofy bill they went through the uh, House yesterday in the state of Missouri about the new rules for parades. They're going to have limited access and they're going to set up metal detectors. And that, you know, at Lord, <laughs> to quote Chris Rock in his gym called No Sex in the Champagne Room, sure it feels safe inside. But what about all the people waiting outside with guns? Well, well, like, but think about that for a minute. How in the world would they do that? How in the world? If we're talking, 
wide open spaces. We're not talking like the prairie or anything like that. We're talking like <laughs> yes. streets that have intersections. How would you block off every intersection and funnel everybody through metal detectors? I mean, hey, we just need more Biden bucks, Brad. I guess if we can aff- uh, afford an electric bus in Rawls County, we can afford a little bit of more security in an urban area, Brad. I okay. don't know why you're being so geographist. I have, I have a, I have a thing that I'm going to tell you. I think I've done a 180 on this initiative petition thing. You okay? told me that yesterday. You teased that yesterday. Yeah, and I never really came out and talked about it. Okay, I'll just let me let me just we're up against a break here. Let me just start by saying, I think that the initiative petition, and what we're talking about is the Missouri Constitution is very easy to amend. The idea being that you pay some people to get some signatures. There's X amount of signatures you need. Then you send those signatures to the Secretary of State. They certify the signatures. Then you put the ballot language together. You put it on the ballot. And if 50 and a feather, in other words, 50% and one person vote in favor of the constitutional amendment, the constitutional amendment becomes law, and it can't be touched at that point. The only way it can be touched is if there were another constitutional amendment that would come along and change the original constitutional amendment, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. correct. Okay. So once it's there, it can't be futzed with by the senators and representatives. I think... That is what they don't like because they lose that control. The Bill Eichel's of the world would go, well, hold on a minute. You didn't come talk to me. Yeah, I get what you're saying. How dare you? Well, I mean, that's the whole point is that they're doing an end run around. And I know we're up against break. Scott Fong talked about this on This Week in Missouri Politics midweek update yesterday. He says in California, Democrats want to do the same thing because Republicans can't win in the legislature. So they go around and they do an initiative petition. It's all about power. So that was Scott's point. And in, and in Missouri, Republicans run the world and Democrats can't get anything passed. So they want to stop Democrats from going to the ballot and doing the quote, direct democracy. Okay. We'll talk about that when we come back. Also, we're talking about the Taylor factor, right? Which <laughs> we have some interesting feedback yeah, that's right. that you got yesterday. Uh, this is going to be a real short break because I screwed something up. So we'll just go ahead and take it. And matter of fact, it's going to be one commercial and a promo. We'll be uh, here. Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? 